just like that, we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Plan B with Brandon Shammy, the podcast where I interview friends and like-minded individuals, and we get to learn just a little bit more about them and what they're doing. Today's episode is a special one. This is going to be a real different one in terms of how really open we are about the conversation you're about to hear. My good friend Christian Palmer, founder and CEO of Scoop U, talks about his upbringing, his high school sports. We learn a lot about his work ethic and his patience and overall self-awareness and how he's using these skills he learned early on and is currently applying them to his current business, Scoop U. Um, I don't want to jump into it so much because it comes a lot better coming out of Christian's mouth, so I'm going to let him do the talking. Before we jump into the episode, there's one thing that I ask of you, is that you please share this with a friend, with your parents, your crush, put it on your IG story, tag me in it. It's the only thing that I ask, especially if you get some sort of value out of the show, which this one, oh, oh, oh I think you just might. No, seriously, I learned a lot from talking to Christian, even though he is my good friend. We sat down for about an hour and a half or so, and we chopped it up. So without further ado, we are going to jump into the show. Hope everybody enjoys. All systems are good. All right, my lady dude, it's time for Plan B. All right. First of all, thank you so much for being here. It was really nice that actually someone reached out to me for once for actually trying to put one of these things together. So that's always exciting for me. Hey, man, I think we can both do some pretty great things here. I think you can do great things. I think I can do great things. I think Morgan too can do even better things. <laughs> Our little guest. Um, welcome to the set. This is the first time we have uh, someone in the live studio audience. Morgan, say hello. Hey, everyone. Maybe you heard that. I'm not sure. Um, I'm with a good friend of mine, Christian Palmer. Ever since then, it's been a nice wild ride. One of the weirdest and coolest decisions I ever made. What? Coming to TCJ or the fraternity thing? The fraternity. Yeah, it was interesting because it's not a big school. Right. So, you know, it's like, what kind of connotations does SAE have at TCJ versus like, a Udell or right, like right. a Miami university. It's, it's a different situation coming from a college university <laughs> with Greek life. But I remember when I was joining, actually, my mom used to uh, send me all these videos of SAE going wrong anywhere at these big schools. Right. And I was like, mom, it's just not comparable. You know, like TCNJ is way different from these big 10 SEC schools. It's just 8,000 white kids in a circle. It's no big right. deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's harmless. So to give the viewers a little context of who you are and where you're from, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Middletown, New Jersey. Um, I grew up there. I went to school at St. Mary's in Middletown. It was right down the road, about a half mile away. I could touch it with my arm if my arm was long enough. Uh, you could also hit it with a football because your reach is long enough, probably. <laughs> I did play a couple of sports growing up. Yeah, I went to modern day prep in Middletown, New Jersey, and then... My freshman year of college, I was at Salve Regina in Newport, Rhode Island. Beautiful school, beautiful campus. And then um, after my freshman year, I got hurt. I wasn't able to play my sport anymore, so I transferred over to TCNJ because I thought it could benefit me academically, and uh, you know, I, I think it did. <laughs> Graduated a semester. Was it? Is this semester early? Yeah, semester early. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely some benefits to your accelerated program. Well, we're hoping so. It definitely gave me some free time to work on my business. Which we'll get into that momentarily, but I still just want to backtrack to earlier times, back to when you were in high school. Um, I obviously know you played football growing up, and you were quite exceptional at it. Thank you. Um, could you let people know as to why or how you got involved in this sport in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, my family is a huge football family. I mean, my dad was big coach. He has a library of books that you could just imagine, 50 to 100 football books playbooks, explanation books, position books, so on. Et so he was a coach himself? Right. Yeah. Okay. My godfather, um, John Schulteis, he was very influential to me as a kid. He used to give me all these Nebraska things. I got some pillows, some 
videotapes. He had some cassette tapes, tapes actually made when I was younger. And these cassette tapes were modified to have my name on them. So it would be like Christian Palmer running the ball for the Nebraska Cornhuskers from the 80, the, like 70 out, 60 out. And they okay. would have me going all the way down the field. So that was a lot of fun. And then uh, my dad actually didn't let me play football from the time I was four years old to the time I was seven years old. So it took me about three years of all the complaining that I could get out of my mouth to get him to let me throw the pads on. But at four to seven, you're not playing contact football. Or do they even have a league that young for kids? I know there's Pop Warner and like Pee Wee and stuff like that. Right. So there were flag leagues. Okay. But there was no contact from ages four to seven, which was a reason that I used to throw out to them all the time. I'm like, we're not even hitting. We're not even hitting. Exactly. And then seven years old and we can finally hit. And now I'm able to play all of a sudden. <laughs> that was hysterical, but that was fun. Do you think there was a reason for that because he wanted you to wait to play the actual game versus the flag game or he was just being a typical parent saying no like it's dangerous. He knows the he knows the the, the cons of football for being a coach so Yeah, yeah. I think uh I think it was definitely the latter. He was looking out for my well-being and now down the line I'm looking back at it saying I probably could have waited a year or two. <laughs> it's seven I think seven's really early to like start hitting people with pads especially you know, you're you're trucking kids and see, yeah, but it's a but it's a catch twenty two. Well, I explain. So, you're playing at seven years old. Yeah, you're gonna take your lumps, but at the same time, you're playing against kids who are older than you. So my whole life, I was playing against kids who were older than me, and now when I get to high school, and as a fourteen year old, you have to go play these eighteen year olds. It's not that different, right? So he he was setting you up for future success potentially. That's how I look at it now, definitely. Okay. So you're playing, you got pads on when you're seven years old, little Palmer running around. Were you playing quarterback at this stage or are you just running around to different positions trying to figure out exactly what football is? So I played a lot of positions. Being the younger kid on the team, I didn't always have the best arm. I okay. couldn't always read the defense the best. You know, these older kids are moving a lot faster than I could move. So I played running back. I played a little bit of wide receiver. <laughs> I played some snaps at tight end, if you can believe it. Oh, no, I could. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I was all over the field. Uh, I mean, defensively, I was pretty much always a defensive back. I played a couple of years at strong safety, so I'd walk down into the box, but nothing that crazy. I just want to, think, pick up on a little foreshadowing that I've already seen. Maybe you being the youngest on the team at this in, during this contact sport, and now... You know, yeah. You, so you graduated a semester early, but maybe there's some sort of cross correlation to to whereas now you're playing with the big boys, and since you have that experience of playing or working with people who are older than you, you can easily excel yourself within that field because you're already comfortable with the higher level of competition you're already facing. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of your life's decisions come down to your confidence, of course, in not only yourself but in the situation that you're throwing yourself into. I think a lot of people, they actually are comfortable in their skin. They know where they want to be. They know how they want to get there. But then when it comes time to put themselves in the situation to get to where they want to be, they're not comfortable with going after it. It's just because perceived judgments. Right. Exactly. That's the game. Yeah, absolutely. But you can't, you can't care what people think. Well, that's the thing. You, people do too much. And that's absolutely. Where, yeah. Everyone, and everyone struggles with that. I've done my, my fair share of complaining about perceived perceptions of other people and you know you just get past it yeah i mean look it happens yeah and with our generation it happens way too often of course you know i mean that that's just our chemical makeup almost it seems you know like we've been told that everyone's been told that they're special for their entire lives yeah and then it comes a point where you find out you're not that special you're just like everyone else you're gonna have to work you're gonna have to you know put in the time and the effort to get to that level that you want to be at we're the we're the generation of participation trophies and i hate it yeah so. yeah complacency that's what it teaches never enjoyed i still have all my trophies back in like rec soccer they're in a box over there and it's just like oh it's participation participation i always hated getting those it's the worst but then eventually you get to the you know the competitions and that's where you start to thrive more right and that separates you know the weak from the the strong or you guess in that case or you thrive less or you thrive less <laughs> and you realize you're not good at the sport and you quit right which happens all too often survival all of too often too late i'll say survival of the fittest fair enough fair enough so going back to high school you you went to prep school you I said did. i did is that a different experience than going so i went to which is a public school right so how do they how do they differ from the two if I were to go to either of the public schools in my town, I would be sitting there with about 2,000 students. Okay. What I got at Modern Day was about, there. we had about 300 students. So your connections with your teachers, your connections with your coaches, they were way more personal. Correct. So my coaches knew everything about us. Our teachers knew everything about us. And it's a blessing and a curse. You know what I mean? Because... Because they know everything about you. Right, right. So they know when you're messing up and they know when you're screwing up and... 
you know, they'll get on you for that, but then they're the first person right there when you uh when you do something well to praise you and pat you on the back, say good job. Being such a small school, did they recruit for sports? Like did athletes have to try out there because just competitive I went to a school with 2000 kids. Now if we played a prep school versus 300, you would think that we would have the advantages because we have a bigger pool to select from. Right. But that's so, not I don't think that's generally the case in this in this scenario. This is actually a tricky conversation because a lot of prep schools do have the privilege to go out and recruit. Okay. Modern day prep when I was there did not have that privilege. So we could not go out and try to get kids at camps or get kids at other schools, etc. They just weren't allowed to. Right. So we had we had to do it organically. We had to pretty much show people that we were serious. We had the kids and the coaches to build the program up and then we had to get them to trust that. So what we did was we would invite them almost to, you know, come over. Hey, maybe you want to come throw with the guys, this, that, and the other thing. But it was all the players. It's all the players just reaching out, making connections, seeing like, hey, this kid's good. Maybe I see someone out of camp and we're talking about schools. Right. You know, there's a million different ways to start the conversation. But recruiting, tricky conversation because you're not allowed to recruit. So it's kind of like it's kind of like undergrounding in a sense where you're like, hey, like we have this program. Yeah, we know we're small, but it's it's up to the players and the staff to convince people to enroll at this school and apply right. in, the ho- in the hopes that they get in. Like right. they're not so, going to get in based off their ability. They're getting off academics and just affordability at this point, I'm assuming you hope so. Right. You'd hope so. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the premise that the school sets, but um, you know, there's, there's ways to work around everything. Of course there is. <laughs> so that being your given situation, you're a freshman in high school right now on the football team. Are you starting at this point? Are you, how are you contributing to this team? So my freshman year, I did start defensively. Okay. Uh, it, funny enough, it's summer camp. Uh, my freshman year, I'll take you back. It's summer camp my freshman year. And I'm throwing, it's me, another freshman quarterback, and then a junior quarterback. Okay. And we actually had a little decent uh, quarterback competition. And I hear, oh, there's this other quarterback who's coming in. He's the senior, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not thinking anything anything of it. You know me, I'm a... Uh, I'm used to throwing a small fish, big pond and figuring it out. So I'm like, okay, yeah, there's another quarterback coming in. Can't wait till he gets here so I can measure him up. You know what I mean? I just want to see what I'm up against. Yeah. Comparison right at the bat. So he gets there and his first throw of the day is to me and can't make this stuff up. He almost broke my hands. I mean, like I'm small, I'm weak. He's tall. He's strong. He's an actual quarterback. He's pretty good. He's, he actually transferred in from another program and uh, his name is Jesse Meyer. He transferred in from Madawan. Okay. Shout out to you, Jesse. Uh, and that man could throw a ball better than I thought I could ever hope to throw a ball, to be honest with you. But, you know, th- th- that's the type of stuff that pushes you to work harder. That's the type of stuff that says, you know, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not all that. Maybe I should get in the weight room. Maybe I should get a quarterback coach. You know, there's a million things that you can do to make yourself better in that time. And that's what I had to do. So it seems that even at such a young age, your self-awareness not to immediately judge, like, oh, he's so much better than me. Like, I can't be that. You were more so self-aware being... He's better than me. I have to work harder to be better than him when I'm that age. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the motivator. You know what I mean? I uh, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be better than him. Of course, it was more so that I wanted to be good enough to start. I knew that he was going to be gone the next year. I knew what I had to do to start. I knew that we had a couple of other options because all of our quarterbacks were athletic and we were a small school. So no matter what, the best eleven men were going to be on either side of the ball. Correct. So you know, I just had to be the best at quarterback. And how did you go about accomplishing that? I hit the weight room, man. Yeah. I I came into freshman year about a whole five foot five, 120 pounds, maybe max. By the time it was sophomore year, I was about five foot six, five foot seven, 150. So solid muscle just put on there. Yeah, it was a solid jump. You know, I definitely I grew a couple of inches that never hurts, but I was also in the weight room every day and I was working out. So that definitely helped a lot compared to your competitors that are on your teammates. However, how what was their build like? Were they tall, muscular guys already or were they also obviously they're working on themselves? But during the time of competition, just on paper, how do they compare to you? So early on in my high school career I would say that I was maybe one of the more athletic ones um we weren't very good my freshman and sophomore year we were about one and nine so regardless of size I was probably one of the more athletic ones Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I'd like to think that continued through my senior year I don't necessarily know if that's true 
I don't know if I believe myself if I say that, so maybe not. But uh, by my senior year, we definitely had bigger guys. We had faster guys. You know, I wasn't the fastest on the team. I wasn't the strongest on the team, but I was definitely above average. We had, you know, our line was all taller than me. That's Which, pretty much a given. You, you would hope so, right? You would need that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had... Uh, we had a couple of wide receivers. Our tight end was taller than me, you know? So yeah, most everybody was taller than me. I can't necessarily speak towards the weight room because that does come down to work ethic. I'm sorry, boys. Uh, that no, does yeah, 100%. come down to work ethic. So I think, uh, I think when it comes to strength, I might've had a couple of kids by a decent amount, but then speed, you know, we had some athletes over athletes. there. They, they can, uh, we had some kids who could run, they could jump great route runners, great hands. I mean, I, I had some help over there. Of course you did. Since you're, were you the captain of the team being the quarterback? Yeah. I assume you take that role regardless of you want it or not. It's kind of an assumed position. You're commanding the entire offensive line. They would say I was. I would argue that Liam Lawson was. Well, you know what, Liam? It was Christian. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But so moving forward, you're developing your own sense of player. You're getting stronger. You're getting quicker. You're becoming more self aware. Didn't you break some sort of record? It talk, not talking about, oh, I'm not the fastest on the team, I'm not the runner. What uh, what record did you break? I broke Sean Marino's touchdown record in the state of New Jersey. Who is, and who is he, and what, what year was that record set? Oof, I don't know the year that it was set. Let me think back. So Sean went to Georgia. He was out of there by maybe 2011, so you figure he must have graduated Middletown South at 2007. So I guess it was there for about eight years. And then? I broke it. I put up 44 touchdowns my senior year. 44 in a season. overall? Or yeah. 44 like rushing t- rushing for you, uh, TDs, so everything? It was, it was 17 rushing touchdowns and 27 passing. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun year, yeah. And that was your senior year? That was your last year? Yes. Yeah, like I said, I had a lot of help. Very true, but you also put in the work prior to to being in that position. I if like to think so. You were working out. You realized freshman year, hey, like I need to get faster. I need to get bigger. And then you put that work in from freshman to senior year of summer. Come football season, then all the hard work pays off in the end. Yeah, yeah. People like to connect those dots, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> I'm pretty fair sure. Enough, fair enough. All right. So then let's move forward. So you graduate. You had a great, I'm assuming you had a great end of your senior year. Then you're going off to school. Right. And you said your first semester was where again? Salve first Regina. First year. Yeah, full year. Salve Regina was in Newport, Rhode Island. And you went there specifically for football? I can't say that's the only thing. You know, I was looking into places like Gettysburg was another school on my list. I had a couple of others that were pretty good academic schools. Right. Um, but yeah, when it came down to it, I visited Salve Regina. I mean, it was beautiful. I grew up down the shore. So it was beautiful up there. Uh, I was up there for a little while for an overnight visit. And I mean, I just fell in love with it. So yeah, it, it worked out. You know, it was, it was a beautiful campus, great people, great coaches. Just sadly enough, didn't work out. Do you want to touch about why you, what about the injury? What happened? Yeah, I, I can talk about it a little bit. So throughout high school, uh, I should say my sophomore year of high school, it was, I noticed my left shoulder pop out. And or my right shoulder. I apologize for that. I apologize. It was the left one that wound up being dead. I noticed my right shoulder pop out. That was my throwing arm. Mm -hmm. And that was a big problem because I'm a quarterback. I can't have my throwing arm hurt. Exactly. So throughout the rest of my high school career, I was throwing my left shoulder around primarily. And when I say primarily, I mean like if I could find a way to throw my left shoulder, I was throwing my left shoulder. I wasn't touching you with my right. So uh, my left one wound up getting a little messed up. Uh, turn, uh, Turn around and I'm at Salve and my shoulders popping out all the time. You know, a lot of years later, I'm playing college ball now, faster, stronger, bigger guys. And uh, they, I got switched to defense. We had a really good quarterback out there, so I got switched to defense, and I was playing cornerback. And it was a little more physically demanding on the left shoulder. You know, I'm hitting people all the time. I'm pressing people on the line, not letting them get off with the left arm, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, lefty came out one day, and it wouldn't go back in. Oh. Yeah, so... Uh, Went to a doctor, and the first doctor actually sits there and he tells me nothing's wrong with my shoulder because the MRI comes back and the whole thing is the same shade of gray. Hmm. So naturally, I go back to the sport and it gets hurt again. So I take it to another doctor for a second opinion. And the second doctor tells me that it's not that nothing is messed up, it's that the whole thing is messed up. 
I have no labrum and my AC joint is shot. That was that gray spot that the first doctor saw. Right. It was all the same shade of gray because it was all non-existent. Huh. It just wasn't there. I had no labrum and my AC joint was the last thing holding my shoulder in place and it was barely there. Looks like that doctor should lose his license. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So long story short, I wind up going in for surgery. And I'm laying in the surgery bed afterwards, mm-hmm. and my doctor walks in, and he tells me that I will never be able to play football again. Ouch. After my surgery. Immediately after. Right after, yeah. I'm, I'm still all doped up on whatever they put in your body when you're laying in that the bed. The anesthesia's and, still wearing off and everything. Yeah, man. That was, that was, that was a tough realization, because, you know, I, uh, for a long time, I put in pretty much all my time, all my effort oh, yeah. into football, and then... You know, it's taken away and you're sitting there like, all right, well, what do I do with my time now? 10 so. plus years of hard work. And then yeah, you're told that. you can't play in the midst of coming out of surgery where you're hoping, oh, you know, this is going to be good. Right, I'm, I'm fixing I'm myself. Gonna I'm going to be able to throw in like a month or so. Yeah. yeah. Turns out it's not the case. No. Nah. Yeah. That was unfortunate. So that uncomfortable transition from just hospital to going back to school how did did it, did your team know about the news immediately or did you just kind of like sit on it for yourself a while and let now, things one, figure them out this one i uh i kept to myself until i showed back up yeah you know i i so here's the thing here's another thing that everyone gets caught up in everyone likes to think that they are way more important than they actually are okay so i think i could have texted my teammates and let them know as soon as i found out that I was hurt, I wouldn't be able to come back. It wouldn't have been anything, you know, life-changing to them necessarily. Right. But to me, because, you know, everyone's egotistical, everyone likes to think they mean more than they actually mean, I didn't want to go out and say it uh, without bringing it to them face-to-face as if it was like this dire matter that had to be brought up in person. Okay. So that was that was a perception thing on my half. I, I like to think my perceptions changed now. So how do they take the news? They're just like, you know, obviously they're supportive, Right, yeah. you're, you're you're their teammate, you're their you're their friend, but I guess they just had to move on without you know their cornerback, and obviously that's why they have a roster to fill the team. Well, look, in there, the meantime, there was there was a lot of talented guys on that team, so they weren't going to miss me on the field. True. Let's just call that what it is. They weren't going to miss me on the field. Okay, so you know it pretty much just came down to whether I was staying at that school or not, and. uh you know, it was hard. It was hard walking the halls and walking the dorms and going to class. And, you know, it's a really small school. There's only like 2,800 undergraduate students there. Right. So everywhere I go, I see football coaches. I see football players. I see other athletes that just make me miss my sport. You know, I'm hanging out with all those kids. So what they want to do in their free time is go to other athletic events and watch and cheer other people on. Right. And I'm still sitting here in my little funk in my head. Like, you know, I I wasn't doing great. I I was upset that I wasn't going to be able to play my sport anymore. Was the injury one, I'm not going to say it was the ultimate factor, but because you can't play football anymore, is this one of the reasons that led you to transfer eventually out? Definitely, definitely. Because you go to school, again, you went to school for football and academics as well, but one of the factors was you. Can, uh, I can go play ball here. Might as well do that and go receive my education. Absolutely. And now that the football was stripped away, were you more so like, I can go to a better school for education now? Or were you just kind of wanted to get away from that sport and just kind of... Okay, so it definitely started as uh, I needed to take myself out of that situation. I realized what it was doing to me mentally, and I had to get out of there. Uh, I was going crazy. You know what? All my friends were going to play football every single day. I mean, when you play a college sport, it's a full-time job. Oh, my God, yeah. You wake up at 6 in the morning to lift. You go to your classes. You have practice later in the day. Then you have meetings later in the day. And then if you want to get your own lift in because you feel like, I need this stronger, I need that stronger, then you go later on. And, you know, then you do your homework. You go to bed rinse and repeat you know what I mean so exactly yeah it's a full-time job and I was I I loved that job it's kind of like getting fired from your job you know what I mean I I loved that job for doing getting fired for doing nothing wrong right so so I I I couldn't be in a situation that I love so much but couldn't be a part of so the best way to just got to remove yourself sometimes yeah yeah unfortunately but unfortunately it's a smart thing to do I think I think you made a pretty good jump Right, it's that or beat through it. And looks like you've beaten through that. Now, when deciding to go to a different college, how did you end up deciding on the college of New Jersey? So my dad went to TCNJ. Oh, I did not know that. He went to TCNJ when it was Trenton State. My aunt went when it was Trenton State as well. Really? Yes. <laughs> I cool. think she went, she went for her master's, though. That's cool. I think my... Oof. 
where do you go? She's a teacher, so I think, yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, so <laughs> my dad went to TCNJ, and when I was first picking my colleges, I had the TCNJ coach come sit with me. And uh, long story short, I did not think that it could work out at TCNJ. Any particular reason or just... They were recruiting me to be a running back. It was pretty much the only D3 that I had been recruited by to play anything but quarterback. Hmm. So I didn't want to... They messed up. Looking back now, I think they messed up. Maybe. Maybe. Uh... Anyway, my dad went to TCNJ. He wanted me to go to TCNJ uh, pretty much right out of high school. Obviously, that didn't happen. Obviously. When I was transferring out, there were only so many schools I could look into. You know what I mean? I just I, I was at the point where I just wanted to get out of there and I wanted to do something academically. You know, I, I needed something to focus my energy into now. So I decided that was going to be academics. Turned out it wasn't. <laughs> Anyways, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I decided I wanted to go to TCNJ because A, it was close to home, so it's convenient. And B, right. my dad went there. He said enough good things about it. C, I have two cousins that went there. So, you know, I, I heard enough good things about it from reliable sources that I was like, all right, I'll go to this school. It sounds like a good place for me to be. Not until later that I found out that it probably wasn't the best place for me to be. But, you know, it was all right. Why do you say that now? Well, looking back now, you still you still think that? Looking back at TCNJ? Like not the, not the best place for you to be still? I think academically, no. No, okay. I think that a lot of TCNJ is unfortunately political. I think people like talking about politics too much rather than the educational aspect of so-and-so's class. Okay. So uh, I think that makes it a little more difficult because I think there's too many bad eggs. Again, such a small school, so like the the bad eggs will stick out more than, you know. Absolutely. It's, it's easy uh, for them yeah. to make a name for themselves and be... Oh, absolutely apparent on campus and so on and so forth couldn't agree more but that's also one of the i think the good things about tcnj was just because it is such a small school so again it, it's i don't know because your your previous school was like you said 2800 kids yeah and now coming so this is still a, this is an upgrade for you essentially right. in size wise right still considered a very small school i mean like the people who live at the towers probably would fill out the entirety of South. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> there's a couple, there's probably at least a thousand or close enough to, a, I don't think 2000 kids in that, uh, those two towers alone. Never lived on campus, but yeah, probably yeah. they look big enough. They do. And they're taking them down soon. Actually, really? they're supposed to, they're old. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. That's a big project. We're gone there. It's not my problem. Absolutely. It's not my problem. <laughs> uh, thank God. So being a transfer student, um, I know it's not always the easiest of situations. I've had multiple friends that are transfer students as well. How did you simulate yourself into this new environment that you just entered into? Well, we, we touched on that a little bit before. Um, I was in the business building for a class one day and I was walking back to my car and I walked across Matt Krause. So I'm looking down at my phone and I hear, yo, and I'm like, what? I don't know anyone here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I turn around and it's Krause and I'm like, dude, what's up? How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And we wound up talking for a little bit. So uh, long story short, he was like, ah, oh, you should come over later and uh, hang with some of the guys. So I came over, we watched the game. Mm. I was hanging out with him, Vinny Cheese, James Burke, a couple of his housemates. Right. And, uh, you know, that's how I met the first group of people that I met at TCNJ. Uh, besides that, I mean, I had my cousin there. So it's not like I didn't have anyone to hang out with and see Morgan's been there the whole time. <laughs> what's that look for over there you're always a part of the story but um yeah so you know there were there were a lot of people that made it a lot easier and then after meeting Krauss, you meet other people oh it's no so on and so forth yeah. i mean um, you know how that story goes yeah <laughs> then end up joining fraternity we're both in the same fraternity good times there glad it's over with yeah me too moving forward you joined TCNJ for the academics and you said in the long run, maybe it wasn't, you know, the best choice for me. Right. But I still feel like you made a good decision. I'd agree. I, I think you could agree too, based off. Definitely of, could have been worse. Definitely could have been a lot worse, but you made memories, you made friends. Made a oh, good, absolutely. I made a best friend. So, you know. I got the most expensive piece of paper I'll ever get. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably didn't even open it yet, did you? My parents have. You Have you seen it? I saw a picture. It's close enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know it's there. Now I want to talk about more so your your ambitious side and your entrepreneurial spirit. All right. Because I remember when 
you used to live near Rockley off of I forgot, on Van Son, Fort Van, Van, Van Son, and you used to, I used to come over, used to hang out, and you would always be writing in your book. You're like, <laughs> I remember one day you're like, like I'm like, what are you writing down there? You're like, I got a million dollar idea, <laughs> and didn't didn't want to ask what it was. I was just like, okay, like just gonna <laughs> let him, you know, let him do his thing. How did this? first started were you doing anything in your childhood that were you like doing like lemonade stands were you trying to like be your own boss then or is this sort of just come up out of the blue because your first job was football yeah. and then once that was gone something in, was i think instilled in you to take this new path so i can't say that i always wanted to be an entrepreneur okay not at all um my my first real job where i got a paycheck was outback I was younger than the age requirement, so I won't tell you where or who hired me, but um, I was at a racetrack, actually, mm. and my sister was there, and she was already working for Outback, Okay, and the person who hired me was also there, and I saw my sister doing some work that it was physical work. She was carrying stuff, so I didn't want my older sister to strain herself, yada, yada. I figured I would make her life easier, so I went over, and I started helping her out. Long story short, I unloaded the car, and... The guy from Outback noticed that I was a hard worker. He noticed my work ethic, and he was like, hey, you're a hard worker. Do you want to work for me? This is, wait, this is Outback, the steakhouse? Because you said yeah. racetrack. Okay. I heard. You said, I was at the racetrack okay. in Monmouth setting up for an event that they were having there. I apologize. I Understood. No, it's okay. So, um, so, yeah, I was setting up for an event that they were going to have there, helping my sister out, and he noticed that I was working, helping him out, blah, blah. And uh, how old are you at this point right now? 13. So just about to go to high school, like? Summer, about, yeah. summer, in before freshman year, or yeah, my around birth, that. My time. birthday is June sixth, so I was about to turn fourteen and go to high school. Okay, so this was like early mid May, I want to say. So then he, uh, he, he pretty much said, "When you turn fourteen, which is in about two, three weeks, I could work for him." <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, I got a job when I turned fourteen, so that was awesome. That's a nice gig, yeah. yeah that was really cool. And then you know, I, I've had a lot of jobs since then. I've worked in a couple of restaurants. I. I've done a lot. I, I did uh, HVAC with my uncle for a little bit. He gave me a little opportunity to do that, learn the ropes over there. That was really cool. You said HVAC? HVAC, heating, ventilation, gotcha. air, and cooling. Um, I, I worked in retail. My first job I was, a, was a sales associate at Aeropostel on the floor. That was awful experience. <laughs> Hated that a lot. Um, you got to bug people who don't want to be bugged over there, right? And just, yeah, just being like, ah, my, the, the, the demographic that entered that store was always either Indian or Spanish. And a lot of the time they would speak in their native tongue. Me wow. being this, I think I was a, I think I was, no, I was a sophomore in high, high school at this time. Me being this very skinny Caucasian male. I can't, I can't communicate with these people. I don't know what they want. So I, you know, that they've always put me on the night shift because I could just vacuum the floors before no one, like no one was in the store buying. And that's when they, the that's the shift work. they put me on. Yeah, exactly. Do the work, <laughs> clean the windows, all that kind of crap. Oh, I get you. It was awful. See, I was always the type to, uh, I would volunteer to do that kind of work. Honestly, I didn't mind doing it. I was getting paid to do it. So I'm like, okay, like someone had to do it. But eventually after one soccer season started, because I told him, I was like, look, I'm soccer season started now. Like that's technically a full-time commitment itself. I'm not going to be able to work when I'm done. Can I come back? They're like, yeah, sure. Soccer season's over. Uh, like I call him up, I email him. I was like, like, hey, like you know, just to clarify, like I'm Brandon Shamey again. Like I think they got like another new manager at the time, yeah. so I introduced myself and I was like, okay, like if I'm ready like to come back to work, and they're like, nah, <laughs> Here, it's okay. We, like you don't need it. I was like, I think I just got fired. Right? Yeah, that's like the nicest way they could have done it, I guess. I guess, but that was I wouldn't fine. say the nicest, but like they they were just like, no, we don't need you. No, we don't need you. Yeah. I was like, oh, uh, okay. I was told like it was gonna. Whatever, Come you back. don't need them. You'll find another job. No. <laughs> job after that. Um, lifeguard did that. Very lax. Too boring. Uh, it's easy money. Get a good tan. Or a good one of my favorite our... summer jobs I worked with was a garbage man. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That's cool. Great hours. And yeah. yes, I got to ride in the back of the truck. What is it? 630 to 230? Um, it was 730 to 230. Okay, cool. And I couldn't work Fridays because it was just um, summer help. Yeah. So they didn't they didn't want to give me enough hours to be full time, so I had to be part time. So I got my Fridays off in the summer, which was great. And I was home at two thirty every day. Yeah, I know. Yeah. When I worked uh Beautiful. I did a maintenance job on a campus, so I was like a janitor on a campus and uh same thing, dude. I was six thirty to two thirty. It was awesome. Great hours, decent money, especially at the time. And yeah, I think that that was the second time I was on payroll because prior to like Aeropostel was on payroll for a little bit, but then other side jobs, not so much. Going back to you though, 
with your entrepreneurial spirit. You're you're working any job you can. You start work. You work it out back. Then you work other jobs with your uncle. You take any opportunity that comes your way. Like you said you were a janitor as well. When did you? Well, then you also had a couple um, internships with school and stuff like that. Well, not maybe through school, but you got them yourselves. That's given me a lot of good experience. What were those sorts of roles? And was this in the back of your mind or the whole time? Were you thinking of, okay, maybe I'm going to go, go off my own venture now, or that was still, you were just so playing the field as it was. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. You know, I knew I had a good idea, uh, but I had had good ideas before and they hadn't exactly panned out. Right. So I wasn't sure how far to take it. So yeah, my, my last internship specifically, um, it was a great opportunity over at Forever Collectibles. I was a sales intern, so I got to sit in a sales room. I worked directly under a manager, and I got to see pretty much his ins and outs all of his days. I got to help him out with his operations, help him out with the sales decks, so on and so forth. Um, by the, I want to say the start of the second month I was there, they started letting me go out and get my own sales nice so now they weren't handing me a portfolio and saying hey fill this portfolio with sales they were saying hey go out and create a portfolio go find new clients so create new business figure out what they need and then sell that to them because you can't oversell people because if you oversell them they're never going to come back you can't undersell people because what are you going to do ship out in order before the second one even got there right right so you know um you have to figure out the needs of their business. Now, creating new business when you can't really visit the shop is a little more difficult because you can't be there to prospect what they actually need. To clarify for the listeners, what were you selling? We were selling sports memorabilia. So we had things like signs. We had things like bobbleheads. And we also sold sports apparel. So you know fanatics.com? Yes. It's similar to their type of stuff, except for whereas Fanatics is typically very plain. Okay. We would have like floral designs or like just a bunch of cool branded designs at Forever Collectibles. Gotcha. So it was really cool because we actually had a lot more freedom in our sales process to A, create new products if we brought them to production and, you know, got them cleared, so on and so forth. And B, if, you know, you got a smaller customer, which these were most of the accounts that I was working anyway, because I'm creating new business. Exactly. Um... They can't oftentimes fill the minimum order quantity or the MOQ. Okay. So if they can't fill that, then you need that flexibility to be able to work down. And working for a private company gave you that flexibility because the owner literally worked two floors above you. So you can be like, hey, I proposed this to somebody and they can't fill this quantity. Can I sell offer them this? And I'm like, yeah, right. I'll give you the clearance to do so. Right, exactly. Okay. And you know, it's not that easy going to the owner. And, I know, I know. But you know, it, in the nut in a nutshell. Long story short, yeah, that's essentially how it would work. How now this is probably the the a stepping stone to you doing your own path. How how what did you take from what you learned here and be able to apply it to yourself moving forward? Like getting new clients. How would you go about doing that initially? And has that has that process changed at all since? All right. So at Forever Collectibles, I had to be very careful. Mm. because I was an intern. I couldn't create new business that was, well, you can't create new business on any business that's already created. So I had to go into our customer forecast, see which customers we did and didn't have. So if I found a store online, I had to double check, make sure that they were a customer. I had to go back, reach out to them, hopefully get them to reach back out to me. After we email once, twice, three times, you know, you don't typically want to pick up the phone because everyone knows nowadays when they're being sold to. Of course. So, you know, I'm not going to pick up the phone and try to make a cold call to someone who doesn't want to be sold to. So I'm going to make them want to be sold to before I call them. Of course. So I'm getting out to them, their assistants, their managers, anyone I can get to. Somebody. To try to get to somebody in that store, the owner, the manager, whoever it is. After somebody answers you, you try to set up a phone meeting and, you know, it pretty much goes on from there. But now that I'm doing my own thing, I have a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much if I find a contact, I'll get after him. You know what I mean? I, I think... So in the forever collectible sales process, I wasn't as confident in the product as I am in my own abilities. Okay. If that makes sense. 100%. I know that I'm going to deliver on Scoop You. So when I call customers now, I don't think it's a cold call. Like no. I'm calling to inform you about something. Whether you want this or not is on you. And I'm not going to push it down your throat. But I'm calling to tell you that this is here. And if you want to be a part of it, then you can be a part of it. And you have more faith in the product this time. One, it's... It's your idea. It's your product. So you're going to have it. You're going to be backing it 100%, 110% every time. Right. I mean, you have to think like if you thought you had, I heard this the other day. I don't remember who spoke this, but uh, if you had the cure to cancer, you wouldn't just be sitting there emailing people. You would be kicking doors down to give oh people my the God. cure to cancer. Yeah. 
Right. So like, you know, if you really believe in your product or your service, why aren't you kicking people's doors down trying to give it to them? Hey, I have the cure for cancer. Would you like to have a test run with this? Like, right, no, I would gonna, imagine that would resonate that well. You're going <laughs> to, like you said, you're going to be going front door to the hospital, wherever that specific client is, and you'll be telling them, hey, exactly. you need this. I have it. Yeah, absolutely. So after this internship, this is junior year, end of it? Uh, Yeah. Somebody going into senior year. This entire time was the concept of because we haven't mentioned it really yet, but you mentioned the name of the co- name of the company, Scoop You. Was this brewing in the back of your mind while working this internship job? You're like, I have this idea. You're getting all this experience from other work where you can then apply it later down the line. Right. Did you know, like, hey, like this is what I'm going to do? Like once I'm done with this internship. Okay, so I hope you have some time for this one. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, when I got to TCNJ. It really bothered me having to learn a second campus. Okay. Nonetheless, that TCNJ's campus is like three times the size of Salve's campus. And when I say you can walk out on one road in Salve's campus and get to every single building, that's not a lie. So when Pretty I small. got to TCNJ, it was a puzzle. So I started, I came up with this idea. I wanted to make a mapping system for campuses. Okay. So instead of looking at your phone or a navigation system, I should call it, because instead of looking at your phone and just looking at a flat map and trying to, you know, navigate around all these roads and stuff while you're looking down and people are like bumping shoulders with you right, and stuff. Right. You can maybe have earbuds in or something just talking to you like, hey, make a left, hey, make a right, go straight here. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So then I got an opportunity. Um, you remember I mentioned Liam. Yes. Uh, Liam, his cousin, Brian Lawson, owns a company out in Belmar, New Jersey called Coastline Shuttles. Yes. And what they do is they have these six-seater golf cars for lack of a better phrase and uh they run free rides so you know i I got to see that business and how he did that and i couldn't help but thinking why isn't this on a bigger scale right and it just so happens that it was so applicable to what i was already trying to do that i'll bring this to the bigger scale i'll make this run on a bigger scale you know why are people paying for rides when he has these vehicles functioning throughout three townships and they're not paying for a single ride free Right, it's free. At this time, to get on his shuttle service was it an application or was it just show up at this specific spot, sign up? That's what's even better. He he didn't have a mobile application. He really didn't have anything to create awareness. Okay, all he had was his cars, and he would drive them out to popular corners in Belmar, which I'm sure you know. There's a bunch of bars out in Belmar. There's a bunch. So he would park them up. Bunch of people out there too, always walking. Like Belmar's always packed, especially during the summertime. Right, he would park them on popular corners. And people would walk by. He'd offer them a ride. They say no, of course. Like they're not going to get in someone random's car. Right. And he's gonna. He yells at them. Hey, it's free. You know, like I hey, my ride right. is free. Yeah. People usually snap their necks back to the car and say, "Oh, okay." And they get in the car. So then they're driving you, and they're like, "Oh, how is this free?" Blah blah blah. And they get into that conversation, but it doesn't matter because you're getting the free ride. You're already there. Right. The service is being paid. It's, exactly. It's already done. Wherever you were walking, my vehicle is getting you there ten times faster. So you have this own issue in your own head where you're navigating campuses and even though TCNJ is not the biggest campus in the world, there's thousands of other campuses that are just as complex. Absolutely. Even no, more, way complex, more complex, way more complex. Yeah. We're just a circle. So I understand like my, obviously like your first time semester at a campus, I don't know where the hell, I don't know where the hell I was going anytime. Right. I can still almost make it like only to the business building. Like <laughs> I, I know my Kendall building and people are like, where's Kendall? I'm like, don't worry about it. Like. That's just where I had to go half the time for my classes. So now thinking about this, you're, you're scratching your own itch at this point. Yeah. And so you see this shuttle service down in Belmar. You're like, hey. Well, I was working for them. You were working for them down in Belmar. Yeah. Um, and then it sparks an idea in your head. Right. And then is that when Scoop You gets born? Or is this one, this, <laughs> this new, this one idea like snowballs into even greater concept that you weren't initially thinking of before. So uh, I'm happy you touched on that actually, because right off the bat, we were supposed to just function on college campuses. I'm not talking primarily. I'm talking like solely function on college campuses. Um, Our COO, Ryan Roberts, you know, Ryan, I know Ryan. He went out on a family vacation to Phoenix in Arizona and uh, Scottsdale is the town right next to Arizona or Phoenix. I apologize. And, um, he comes back and he's got a big smile on his face and he goes, dude, all the speed limits are 25 miles an hour. And I was like, no, they're not. Like, there's no way all the speed limits in a city. Scottsdale is a city. There's a lot. There's 250,000 constant residents there. 
So it, it's a city. So it's about a third, more than a third of the size of Boston. So I was like, there's no way that all of the roads in this town are 25 miles an hour. So I do my research. I start talking to the, uh, the municipality and it turns out all the speed limits are 25 miles an hour. So is you know, there a reason just, for that? Do you know why? Or just that's just Scottsdale specifically? I'd like to say it's safety. But if I was telling you that I got a hard why, I couldn't, I'd be lying, you know? So, uh, so we started looking into it. We started talking to the right people. And within three days of us having this, I'll call it an epiphany because we never thought we would function outside of a college campus. Okay. Um, it, it turns out that we actually got the, we got the mayor's blessing out there. He emailed uh, Ryan back and said that, you know, we got the green light to do business out there. So it was really exciting. So we just hit the ground running looking for advertisers. And fast forward, that brings us to where, how to right now to when that happened, how far into the future was that? Like, no, rephrase that. How long ago was that initial epiphany? I would say, when was spring break? (laughs) Three, four months ago? Three? No, No, two. Yeah, maybe two. two. Maybe two two months ago. Yeah. It was two months max, I'd say. Eight weeks. Yeah. And since then, we've been contacting local businesses out there, advertising agencies, media agencies, so on and so forth. I mean, we got plans now. You know what I mean? It's not just a concept. It's a plan. For people listening in for who may be still lost because they don't know what Scoop You is, what is Scoop You? So essentially, what we are is we have the same six-seater golf cars that I was talking about functioning throughout Belmar, and we are capable of giving free rides to the public from point A to point B, wherever they need to go, as long as the speed limits don't exceed 25 miles an hour. Okay. And the way that we are able to do this is by running advertisements on the vehicles. So, you know, it's, it's no difference to the rider. It's not like it's not like the vehicle is influenced in any way. It's not like the vehicle goes any slower or anything. Right. It's just the outside of the vehicle has advertisements on it. That's about it. And I feel like still, when people hear that, I still feel like they don't understand. They're like, but how do you do it for free? I would you, gotta, I, you, I, I you, just, you just explained what it was but yeah. people won't grasp that concept like what do you mean advertising like putting someone's name on the side of the vehicle like that gets you money yeah i mean yeah yeah exactly it's exposure for them it's, it's basically branding. it's basically a moving billboard right exactly that's exactly what it is and these are a except call- for in our case we actually influence people's lives in a positive manner before they even make a conscious decision to associate themselves with the brand how so because we're giving them a free ride before they even said like, oh, I want to associate. So say say we have Outback Steakhouse on a car. Right. You know, we're pulling up to you and our car is decked out every inch, every centimeter is an Outback Steakhouse. Okay. So now they're not saying, oh, Scoop U's pulling up to me to give me my free ride. They're saying, oh, the Outback car is pulling up to me to give me a free ride. So before they even said like, oh, I'm going to go to Outback. I want to be a customer of theirs. Outback is already influencing their lives in a positive manner. Because Outback is giving them, is providing them with a free, with a free ride. Right. And in in reality they are yeah because they're paying for they're they're covering for the all the services they're paying for their rides you just you're just providing correct me if i'm wrong these low speed vehicles yeah ls lsvs (laughs) yeah you got it right awesome Um, i won't reference to i won't reference them as that i'll I'll call them six-seater golf cars well they 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 are are golf carts they are they are they're not they're not it's all right we won't have that argument fair (laughs) um how do people get to experience the Scoop U car? How do they call it? How does this service work? I'm also happy you brought that up. All right. So if you go into the iTunes store, the Apple store, you can download our app. You just go to Scoop U or Scoop U Rideshare. If you just search Scoop U, you'll see us, our logo our, or our icon. I apologize for that. That's a U as in the letter U, just to clarify. Big S, big U, no spaces. U as in like, I feel like the U looks like the university of the U. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Because once again, we thought we were going to function solely on college campuses. Understood. Turns out we're not, but it doesn't matter because we don't brand Scoop U. We brand other people's businesses. Right. Essentially, we're an advertising company for other people. You know, we brand other people's businesses. Transportation advertising company. Right. We like to call our drivers brand ambassadors because they are sitting there talking about your business. They're not sitting there talking about Scoop You unless that's what you ask them about. Of course. They're sitting there being brand ambassadors for whoever the advertiser on said card is. So you go to the app store, you download the app. How does the app work? All right. So as of right now, at the top of your screen, you would it would function as a GPS. The first page. I'm sorry. I have to go bare bones. I talk about this all day. No, every yeah, day with yeah, my yeah. team. So, so as soon as you click, it brings up a GPS screen. 
on that GPS screen at the top of the screen, you can you see a search bar. You can type in a full address. Unfortunately, right now you can't type in McDonald's. You can't type in Burger King. You can't type in like store names. Okay, that'll come later. We are working on the search bar right now. We have <laughs> it's it's at the forefront of our mind, brother. The team's on it. <laughs> but uh, but right now you can type in any address. It'll take you to that address in the best possible route, and it does take traffic into consideration. What it doesn't do right now is suggest multiple routes for you. So once people get once people get in, get into the vehicle and they get out, right? And obviously they don't pay because right. it's all provided for free, right? Are they allowed to give tips to these brand ambassadors who are driving them around? They're is there allowed. any compensation for them? Yeah, they're allowed. You know, we pay our drivers, mm-hmm. but they're absolutely allowed. We're not going to strip that privilege away from our drivers. You know what I mean? Like they're out there working. Who's to say that if the people in the back of the car think that they deserve a tip that they don't? Fair enough. You know what I mean? So yeah, if 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 they earn their money, they earn their money. I'm not going to take that away from them. And initially, again, this was meant for college campuses. Yeah. Initially, but now you've obviously brought in your scope. Who are the who are you looking to employ? Is it the college kid still? Because who's local in town, or is it pretty much anybody who just applies for the job? So this is a big question right now, especially because we are dealing with some heavy insurance right now. Okay. Um. On campuses, it will be undoubtedly students. It will 110% be students. In municipalities, you know, I know my work ethic. I knew that I wouldn't have crashed the car. I've really never had an incident that was my fault. I've had one on a highway that wasn't. Uh huh. But, um, you know, so I, I would love to sit here and be able to say that I would hire all the kids who have their driver's licenses. Fair enough. But we have to be honest with each other. You know, not not all kids who have their driver's licenses can drive. Not all kids, not all grownups who have their driver's licenses can drive. No. Yeah. So, you know, I'm turning 22 in like two weeks. So I'm not going to sit here and say that kids can't drive. Right. But it's not going to be easy for a kid to drive. You know, it's not going to be easier for a kid to drive because they're a kid than a grownup to drive. And, you know, that's that's something that I have a lot of college campuses and municipalities question me on. Because when we do go out and promote ourselves, we say that we are enablers of student employment. When in municipalities, obviously, I can't be 100% true. Like, yes, right. we will enable the students work, but I'm not just going to hand you the job because you're a student. You have to show me that, one, you're qualified enough to be able to operate this vehicle, give the customer experience that we're looking for, and C and D and everything else. Right, and that doesn't come down to how much education you have. So I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that you have to be able to do the job, do it well. And, you know, not not have any BS come up. One you question. can't crash the car. You can't be speaking like crazy, opinionated, quote unquote, facts. We don't want your political <laughs> views while you're driving, right, of like, course. Do your job. This question has popped into my head. Um, would there be a certain time constraint on when these vehicles operate? Meaning? Is it 24-hour service? Is it 8 a.m. to 8 p.m.? Is there a set schedule when they're running at weekends? Are they, are they not running? Or? It is all subjective. Okay. So Scottsdale, let's say Scottsdale. Um, Scottsdale, Arizona has a very lively nightlife. Okay. So in a place like Scottsdale, Arizona, we will function at night. We will function crazy hours on a college campus. We'll do the same. Obviously elsewhere, we're going to have to monitor that. We're going to have to, you know, everything's going to be subjective. So if we go to a place and we find out that, look, like these people are alive in the morning we're going to function more heavily in the morning than we are at night. Um, a lot of our rides will be on call all the time. Okay. That's, that's not all the place all the time. That's certain places, certain times. Like if we go to Boston, Boston is a place that we're looking into possibly going to. Okay. If we go to Boston, then that's a place that we would probably have to have a 24 hour service mm-hmm. just because it's too big of a city. There's always going to be a demand for the rides. Understood. And we have to be selling that advertising space. So we have to be utilizing that advertising space. You have to be telling them, Hey, if you're going to be, if you're going to be branding scoop you over in Boston, your ads and be running 24 seven throughout the city. Right. Right. And that just helps our business. You Correct. know what I mean? Like if I have to be up 24 seven, I don't care. It's just finding the, finding the workers to put in those hours to actually, you know, get back to your service and work for those late shifts. Absolutely. But, but like I said, Boston will come, be, down that'll be fine. Boston yeah. will be down the line. We'll yeah. have payroll. We'll have all that set up. So I'm not worried about that. That's way down the line. I'm just giving you a, uh, an example. So let's talk about current, um, what current motives that you can speak upon because it's obviously it's still growing. There's a lot of things that you can and cannot share. Right. What is next to come? So I know Scottsdale is the, it's like the beta tester, right? 
Is no, it no, necessary? No, no, we're we're ready for Scottsdale. Yeah, yeah, we're. I'm not worried about our operations in Scottsdale. Scottsdale's the Scottsdale's the first. Like this is the first go. It is. Yeah. 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 What are you What are you looking forward to? What 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 are the things that are going to come? All Anything right, well, that you can share. I can't wait to learn. Yeah. All right. So I I saw the trouble that we had putting two vehicles on the road in Belmar. Just with vehicles breaking down, vehicles not charging, this happening, that, you know, like drivers not showing up, this and the other right. thing. So there's a million factors that play into it. You know, like I can sit here, I can put together the best plan in the world, but unless people follow that plan, it doesn't work. And I can't speak for everyone. So I'm looking forward to learning in Scottsdale because I know that there's going to be a million things that I have never come across before that I'm going to come across in Scottsdale and I'm going to have to learn from. Are you going to be moving out to Scottsdale? Are you going to be present? So huh, that... Huh. I'll, I'll say we're not sure to start, but probably splitting the executive team up after taking two and a half years to put the executive team together would be just heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, I've seen what we can do. We've been together for six months now. All right. We've been together since late of my last semester. So we've literally been together for six months. I mean, we only started selling in February. Mm -hmm. So to think where we are three and a half months into our sales process is unreal. I mean, I never thought that we would take off like that this quickly. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, again, we have to finish. We have to do what we have to do. We have to get the advertisers. Correct. But the advertising space, I mean, you can't beat it. You just can't beat it. So I think that we will have to move out to Scottsdale as a team. Uh-huh. But I can't say for sure. But as you obviously would like to move as a team. I would. I would. But again, we have other contracts and such lined up. So we do have to be weary of that. And we have to keep the people in place to handle that. So how big is the team currently? Uh, including the, yourself. The executive team? Yes. We have five on the executive team. We have another person that we outsourced our advertising agency and media agency sales to. Right. So they are on the team. They do have a little bit of equity. But our main team is five people. We have myself, a CMO, a CTO, a CFO, and a COO. So Ryan Roberts is our COO. He takes care of a lot of our operations. He's like, he's my number two. He's, he's in my pocket all the time. I mean, you tell, you tell him to work and he's all over it. I mean, you won't hear from him again until it's over. We have uh, Alex Mirabella is our CMO. Does a great job. I mean... I've never seen somebody pump out Lee's list, get on the phone and be as ambitious as him. Our CFO, he's <laughs> he's just so smart. He's so smart when it comes to numbers. He knows how to Who's CJ CFO? Williams. He's a, he's a friend from mine from home. He was okay. a year older than me. Uh, and right now he works on the Forex market trading globally in New York City. Hmm. So he knows numbers. Oh, he knows numbers. Let me tell you, he can manipulate numbers in ways that I've never seen done before. And I like to consider myself a finance guy. And this guy is just like at a different level. Right. He's whew, he's different. And uh, our CTO, I mean, let me talk about guns. Kevin Guns, he, uh, he churned out an app in less than a year. A full GPS app in less than... I want you to really sit here no, and understand... No, I understand app development and Lyft, that's... Lyft has like 500 people coding for them. Uber has like double that. Just... I mean, working in the tech field, that's not working in cars. That's not working in their corporate office. That's that just, is that's constantly one, updating their app and their website. One department. All right. We have one guy. We have Kevin Guns, and he put out an entire app in less than a year. Kevin fucking Guns. Not only a GPS app, but a rideshare app. All right. Like, I, I don't want <laughs> nobody can ever say anything about Kevin. I agree. Because I agree. that man did like a 500 person job in a year. Super modest guy, too. The whole team is. I know everyone on the team except for CJ and all wonderful people. Can't say anything bad about them. Appreciate that. Like I said, I, uh, I took my time putting them together. We tried. Hey, you take your time. You found uh, you found ball players that can play your game, and you're making moves. Look, uh, yeah. You're making the chemistry, moves. The chemistry, everyone shows up every day with a smile. You Good. know what I mean? Like everyone's happy to be doing what we're doing right now. And that's the biggest part. Because everyone probably, I I can see it because I've talked to him about it, but everyone believes in the vision. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's backing it because they agree with it and they know it's going to and be you know, something. It, it's grueling right now. It really is because I can't afford to pay them. So yeah. they're working for equity. So they genuinely are working for the greater cause. Of like, course they, they are. are sitting here seeing. They're building the a brand. They're building this. Right. Like I'd like to call this just my vision, but it's really not at this point. It started off as your vision, and now you're just getting all these other influence from your right. executive team. Right. Which is what you hope to see, especially having a startup company, having everyone on board, not being able to pay people, but still having them be able to commit 
100% of their time towards your vision, your efforts, now this one collective group's ultimate goal. Right, but you got to give them the freedom to work too. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yes, it is my company. These are all the co- the kids in college too. They still got to worry about classes and everything else as well. Well, they're done with that now. Well, God. I mean, like prior to, but yeah. Now that literally <laughs> ended, what, I think today's the last day of finals or tomorrow is? I don't know. They've been done for since yesterday. So actually. then, yeah, they're they're done, done. Yep. Yes, sir. Except so, for guns. Except, well, he's a junior now? He or no, he's just, is a junior. Oh, my God. He's young. Well, great mind. Yeah. <laughs> like I, mean, I said, age doesn't matter to me. Not knocking him down. I'm saying, oh, he's still got two, two more years left. Jeez. Show me a work ethic. We can mold it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has two more years if he gets to finish. Sorry, Kev. If he, <laughs> he might have to drop out early, Kev, depending if you guys go to Scottsdale or not. I'll give him a better education. I mean, what he's doing now with the app is probably far more useful on, let's just say, a resume versus his college classes. I mean, I mean you, when you're an you IT guy, an you put your projects on your resume. And his project is Scoop use mobile right. application. Right. And website. And website. Yeah. It's website. there. It's, it's there. there. It's there. But the, the, the products, the application, and the service. Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic with that. So, moving forward. You're looking forward to learning. You're looking forward to the growth. The common theme, which I've seen, is just the self-awareness that you've, you have for yourself is, like you said, you brought in your friend CJ and you're like, I'm a finance guy. I know finance. This kid's like the senior quarterback when you were a freshman. You're like, this guy's like, he's hurting my hands with these numbers. He's yeah, throwing he so hard. He's the Jesse Meyer of numbers to me. And I think that's what makes a good founder, a good CEO of a company is knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses. Yeah, you're good at numbers. Yeah, you probably like handling them. But giving up your will to ha- let someone else do that for you, I mean, at first you're like, oh man, like my ego's getting crushed. Like maybe he's doing it better. But no, you understanding that he's better, well, I think will only like boost your ego even more because one, you know what you're good at, stick to that, and then delegate everything else to people who know what they're good at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like I said, it, it's just about finding the right players and putting them in the right role. It's like anything in life. Like yeah. if you're on a team, you're not going to put a defenseman in the offensive zone. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> well, I'm saying you did this. That's exactly what happened to you. Yeah. But you learn from that. Yeah. Yeah, we've been there. You know, you take your lumps. Everything's a learning process. And you're only going to learn more. You're only going to have going to have some failures. You're going to have some ups and downs. It's expected. I mean, but that's, that's, that's the process. It's the journey of, you know, starting from scratch, becoming your own person, becoming your own boss. Which you have to have thick skin. You very, can't try very, to start something. Skin. You can't try to start something and expect everyone to agree with you, everyone to have the same view as you, and everyone to be on your page. No, like no pe- one gives a shit. Right. Nobody cares about you. Period. Like they they don't. They they have their own lives to live. Everyone has a million different problems in their own lives that they have to take care of. Exactly. You know what I mean? Unless you give them a reason to care about you, they don't care about you. So yeah, as a as a company, again, they don't care about you until you give them a reason to care about you. The general public is not going to care about Scoop U until no. Scoop U gives them a ride. Or Outback Steakhouse gives them a ride. Right. Yeah, you yeah. understand my point. Yes. Love you, Lee. I hope you're loving the exposure. <laughs> <laughs> um, wrapping things up. I know I already prefaced this, I already asked this question again, but I'd like to ask it one more time. What can we expect? What are you looking forward to just in the grand scheme of things? All right. Uh, grand scheme of things. Looking forward to freedom. I want to take this company. I, I want to do, man, I, I can't talk about all that. <laughs> I want to do good stuff. Let me think. What's good stuff in your... I know, I know. I can't talk about that. Let me think. <laughs> what am I looking forward to? Uh, Looking forward to my parents not being as stressed out. You know, I graduated college. I have a degree and I had all these job offers and I pretty much turned them all down yeah <laughs> you know i started my own company I th- that's not just stressful for me that's stressful for everyone that i'm around it's stressful for my parents because my parents think that they have to support me don't know why <laughs> um that's stressful for morgan because she's sitting here working a full-time job we've been together forever now so like she sees me stressed she gets stressed of course so like you know it's a big snowball effect i'm, I'm looking forward to smiles smiles from everyone smiles from my parents my siblings my girlfriends my friends Especially my team. I mean, they've been through the ringer. I can't wait for them to just have that weight off their back and, you know, realize that they backed the right horse. They got into the right place and, you know, it's all going to work out. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the look on your face when you're finally able to pay your employees. 
I'll bet you money I just keep moving forward. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's probably going to be like such like a relieving moment for you. You're like, this is actually like this worked. I'll give myself one deep breath. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Don't don't yeah, don't celebrate the successes too much. No, absolutely not. You can do it for like you know a minute. They can run out faster than a blink of the eye. Of course they can. It's gone. Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about this company, this movement that you're creating? Look us up, man. We're scoopyou.net. Go to scoopyou with an underscore for Instagram or Twitter. Scoopyou's Facebook page. You can find our entire executive team on our website still. We put ourselves out there. We want to talk to you about Scoopyou. If you have a question, comment, concern, reach out. What is Where can people find you specifically? What's your Instagram handle, your LinkedIn, whatnot? I don't even know. You don't even know? <laughs> Look up Christian Palmer. You'll find it's me It's Christian somewhere. Palmer 7. That's what it is. There's a 7 on your Instagram. Isn't I there? Know. I don't know if you get my right? full name Yeah, I think so. I think there's so. A seven, a 7 would make sense, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it says... I, I would bet that there's 7s thrown in there. That was my number my whole life. So there you go. Yeah, I would bet that there's 7s. <laughs> um, uh, at the end of each episode, I always like to have my guest have some last words. If there's anything you want someone to take away from this conversation, what would be the one thing you want them to know? It could be either about Scoop You, it can be about nothing even related to that, just something more motivational, but whatever you want them to be left with, All right. floor is yours. You want it motivational? I can do motivational. You don't have, no, you don't have to. I'm just <laughs> giving you ideas. It could be anything. No, I can do motivational, but uh, don't take this in a business sense because everyone when I speak takes everything I say in a business sense. I really don't mean it as that. Of course, it applies there. But uh, look, if you have something that you want to do or something that you want to say, you have an opinion of yours that you think is right, don't be scared to share it. All right. Like, I know, I know you think that your opinion is going to shock the world or change the world. Right. But it's not. And a lot of times you'll be better for hearing other people's opinions and other people will be better for hearing yours because it's only through hearing what other people have to say or seeing what other people have to do that is different from you that you can learn and grow. I think that's fantastic. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I learned more even though I already knew quite about what's going on <laughs> behind the scenes with everything, but I've been having a conversation. I always learn more to have a bunch of takeaways, ah, good. have things that I can apply to my life. And hopefully I hope it's people, all good things. Ah, uh, fantastic. Thanks. Never, never bad. Thanks. But yeah, um, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for informing. Thank you for doing a good service. And most importantly, thank you for scratching your own itch. <laughs> hey man, we try right? because <laughs> without that, then without solving your own problems first, you're not going to, that's the real way to make change, I feel like. Right. Somebody's got to figure it out. No one's going to figure it out for you. Nope. You got to do it yourself. So <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Strap them up, Shammy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And just like that, we're all done, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for sticking to the end. I really hope you could take something away from this conversation. Like I mentioned in the beginning... Christian is a real, real good friend and a good guy. And I hope one of you, all of you, learned a thing or two. Again, if you like the show, if any value was brought to you, please share it. Spread the word. It's the only way I get the show to other people's ears, to other listeners. I really appreciate everyone listening in and all the feedback and support that I get. It's I take everything into consideration. So if you have anything you want to say say it to me i got thick skin it doesn't matter um stay tuned for the next episode and until then i hope everyone stays safe and remember to stay present all right take care